You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Welcome, uh, everybody, to this uh, 100th episode of Recovering Faith Podcast. And today we have a special guest, Pierce Christensen. Uh, Pierce, glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Gene. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. Could we, uh, you want to tell people a little bit about yourself before we get into the questions? Yeah. I met Gene online, and um, so we got to call and, and get to know each other over the phone, um, just talking about about our faith and um, love for theology and, and that way, and um, so kind of got to know him that way, but um, glad to be on the show, glad to be here, glad to be able to just talk a little bit about my testimony, and hopefully I can be an encouragement to listeners. And I, ha- I have a list of... Um questions written down and they're not necessarily written in order of importance or anything like that but (laughs) were you raised in a christian home and if so uh what denomination and and tell a little bit about that yeah so growing up my parents they were um both youth leaders They, they that's how they met was their youth ministry um and so my, my dad just graduated from college, and he came back um, to his hometown to work in the youth ministry there um, after getting saved in college. And so that's how they met. And then once um, once they were married and, and I was born, um, our senior pastor moved down to the Atlanta area. He was in Marietta, Georgia. Um, and so we followed him down there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in youth ministry. I think we were technically part of like a, a grace brethren church um so pretty pretty conservative but um yeah i mean not not necessarily uh the denomination that we would follow in now um more of a non-denominational type family i'd imagine you could describe it as but um yeah i grew up in the in the church and um just being surrounded by the bible and by those teachings and everything so it's been it's been good growing up but um definitely consider myself a believer and, and would definitely um, pin that influence on my parents and just the upbringing that I had that way. So do you and your parents still go uh, to the same church? I mean, do you go to the same church that your parents are, is going, are going to? Yeah, currently we uh, we go to the same church. It's Red Oak Church um, in Andrews, North Carolina. So when we, we were down in the Atlanta area for a while, and then um, there was just some uh, church issues and things like that, the church that we were at. So we ended up moving back up to Ohio where I was born, um, be close to the family. My dad finished out seminary up there. Um, and now we're down here in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, small mountain church, um, but good, solid theology, love the Bible, love Jesus. Um, so just being able to impact the community here has been a real blessing to us. So, um, was there, I know growing up, uh, growing up Christian, was there ever a specific moment where, uh, or a specific event where you just, where you just realized then that 
that mm-hmm. you believed in God and you knew you were saved? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you were saying, just growing up in a Christian home, um, I think there's a almost like a stigma to be like, well, I grew up in a Christian home, so I've always been a believer, that kind of thing. But um, I, I would say when I was about uh, five or six um, is when I would, <laughs> I guess, have that conversion moment and, you know, pray, pray the prayer for my faith in Christ. Um, I was baptized when I was 12. Um, and then from there, I mean, there's other landmarks throughout my uh, walk with Christ that were just really monumental and as, yeah, solidifying um, for my faith. But I mean, those would be, um, yeah, just praying, praying with my parents in the basement of our house when they were youth leaders um, to receive Christ and then being baptized. Uh, but then also like things like going to summer camp and being able to um, just see um, people that are a little bit older than me kind of uh, emulate the faith and, and show what it looks like to, to follow after Christ um, in a way that I hadn't seen, I guess, from um, outside of my, my immediate family and my church family and that kind of thing. Um, so those will be all, I guess, monumental moments in my walk with Christ. Has there ever been a time uh, in your life where you doubted God? Definitely. Um, yeah. So nothing, nothing as serious as, as some people have to go through. Um, but I, I remember vividly just times when we were living in Ohio and I would be like, well, how do I, how do I even know if God is real? Like, is, is I mean, there's the Bible, like it, like from what I've learned, it's like true, um, in the things I've found these things to be true. Um, and I, I believe these things, but you know, what if, what if I make it to the end and, and God doesn't exist? Um, and those kind of things, but then also thinking at the same time, well, I know that the Bible says that like we don't believe him if we don't believe in in the power of Christ to save us from our sins and the consequences of those like then we deserve uh, eternity separated from him, eternity in hell. And so it just really struggling back and forth between those things because I don't want to you know give up to those um, to those doubts and fall into that because I knew the just the terrible consequences of, of being an enemy of God. Um, but at the same time, not knowing exactly what does it look like for my faith to be lived out in my life. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely been struggles and, and definitely um, things to work through as a believer. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of people deal with, but yeah, de- definitely struggles, but no, nothing, um, I guess, extremely rebellious, I would say. Well, that, that's always good. I mean, it's, um, I guess everybody has doubts at some point. Uh, mine were quite a bit more extreme. I, I wound up, I wound up completely renouncing faith, and uh, I didn't believe that there was a God. And I was, and I was an outspoken atheist for three years of my life. Oh wow! And then God pretty much gave me the smackdown and and showed me where I was wrong. And and then, uh, yeah, we say it's good that uh, God has more patience and mercy than we do. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I I know that uh, you're going on a mission in a little while, in a bit, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, do you uh, do you know what God's call is for your life? And if so, what is it? And how did you know? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up in the church, uh, always just exposed to um, people that were in the ministry, people that were uh, missionaries and pastors and youth leaders and um, leading this Christian parachurch organization or, or that thing. Um, 
just different areas of, of the church and of, of being Christian people. Um, and so, um, I, I always felt connected though, the most to Christian missionaries, um, and people that were either overseas, um, or in, um, impoverished, just gospel, um, poor communities. <laughs> and, um, and so being able to go to those people, um, in those communities and, and be able to share the gospel, the good news of Christ with them, um, has always just rang out to me, um, as opposed to maybe leading a congregation of, uh, of people and not necessarily being as engaged as a lay person with, the uh, unbelievers in the community. Um, and so that, that's definitely been the call of my life, I would say, is to be a missionary. Um, but also at the same time, my dad, uh, for a while now has been an entrepreneur and so just being able to have a business and to glorify God with that work um, has also been another thing it's like wow okay I can glorify God with the things that I do with my hands um, and with manual labor and so being able to uh, just serve the Lord with that has been a really really big calling on my life and a lot of uh, countries internationally anyways um, a lot of countries are closed to missionaries. They don't allow you to come and share your faith um, with them, whether that's because they're Muslim or um, communist, atheist, and um, and different things like that. And so having a vocation or something that can add to society um, apart from your Christianity um, is a big open door to allowing you to go in and share the gospel with those people. So ultimately, I think I feel called to like a vocational missionary um, position. And so, yeah, I would, I would say that that calling, I mean, I've always been um, just drawn to the missionary lifestyle, being able to, to live in a context that we're not used to and different culture and language and that kind of thing um, to be able to share the gospel with those people. But um, being able to to work alongside them and to show them um, a godly work ethic has just really come along, I guess, in the last two or three years, maybe as I was finishing up high school. Um, and yeah, that, that's one that was really solidified for me, I guess, is as I was searching out, what does God want me to do with my life? Um, and so now I'm pursuing that full time. I'm in, uh, in culinary school right now and I'm, I'm trying to be a butcher long-term, um, just be a part of the, the food system, whether that's here in the States or internationally. Um, so I'm really excited about that, but, um, it's been cool to see how the Lord's just grown me in that and given me a desire to, to love on people, to help people. Um, both with the way that I serve them with um, my job, but also the way I can serve them with the good news of Jesus Christ. So um, just, uh, it's really always a blessing to know what your call is in life. I mean, I I didn't really know any idea what God wanted me to do for years and years. And, and, uh, and, Growing up, I always, because my father was, I always thought I would wind up being a pastor. And then even after I mm-hmm. came back to Christ, I thought I'd be a pastor. And then realized later that that isn't God's call for my life. Yep. And uh, also, too, though, there's a lot of people that a plumber or a butcher or a, a mechanic can reach that that uh, a pastor can't. Because as soon as, if they find somebody and you realize you're a pastor, they think, oh, you're going to preach to us. But if there's somebody else who's living out a normal life and they have a strong testimony of God, I think they can reach people that 
wouldn't normally exactly. ordinarily be reached. Since you're going to be a butcher, I mean, I know I'm going to tell a groaner here, but uh, but I got to tell you this: one of the few butcher jokes I know. <laughs> so there, there was there was this there's this butcher that lived in that lived in England in London, and uh, he went fishing and he caught some kind of a creature and he wasn't really sure what it was. So he decided to take it home and cook it and make it into sausage. It was the beast of Thames. It was the worst of Thames. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the few actual butcher jokes I've heard. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, everybody who knows me knows I like puns, so yeah. Anyhow, uh, so tell us a little bit about about this mission you're going on and uh, I know you're trying to raise money for it right now and so in the show notes for this um, if you get me the information in the show notes I'm, I'll am i put information if somebody wants to uh, donate to your mission because I know you're trying to raise funds for that right now so uh, but tell a little about about your mission and where you're going and um, and the details there yeah so through through my parents um, ministry growing up we were um in contact with some friends of ours and they're um they're working in chad right now so they've been missionaries in several different countries um they were in the amazon for people who aren't too familiar with the geography uh, where is chad chad is is right in the center of africa sub-saharan africa so it's right below the sahara desert the north of it is more desert-like and the south is more tropical um but yeah, I'll be going over there in, in 10 days. Um, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday is when I fly out. Um, but yeah, there, we have we have family friends over there that are missionaries and they're in, in country there. Um, and lot, lots of details um, of just the, the believers and things like that uh, that are going on over there. It's pretty awesome. Uh, just prayers that are being answered. Um, prayers that are being answered in in chad what is the uh, predominant religion in that area or is there a predominant religion so the predominant religion would be like an arabic um islam uh, and so they they're predominantly muslim uh, but they're an open country they pride themselves on being kind of religiously diverse um from what i've heard uh from people over there they're in the south uh, there's a there's a good sized christian population um of, of believers there, but they're not necessarily evangelical. Um, I don't know exactly what denomination they are, but they don't pride themselves on sharing the gospel necessarily. And so the missionary work that's there is just working on translating um, the scriptures into the different dialects of Arabic. Um, they have French Bibles, so a lot of people speak French, uh, but then also getting it into the tribal languages of the surrounding areas so that people can have the scriptures and then when they have those scriptures, then just being able to disciple them through reading those and, and um, sharing those with their family, with their friends, um, so that more people can come to Christ. How long are you going to be in Chad? Uh, so I'll be flying out the tent, um, and I'll be there for roughly a week in country. Um, and then those three days or so will be my travel time on the end of that. Um, but I'll be in, in country for a week. I'll get to spend time with those close family. Um, and friends there, well, they're friends that are like family and uh, be able to bring Christmas gifts for the for the family and um, just notes and letters of encouragement from our church body here in the state, um, but also resupply, you know, just basic needs 
um, that they aren't able to get there in Chad, which it, it's pretty civilized in the capital where they are. Um, but there's basic things that they just can't get. So different books that they need and um, clothing items and, and such uh, that we have here in the States readily accessible. I'll be bringing some of those over in my checked bags. Uh, okay. Be able to resupply there, encourage them, hopefully. Um, but then also just to, to refocus my own life and, and to make sure that like that, that stays as the, the prize, the goal that I'm working towards is just being able to, to work as an international missionary there. Missions are really important to uh, the church I go to as well. And uh, we support a yeah. number of missions. And uh, right awesome. now, our youth pastor and his wife, um, Tyler and Sevi Davidson, they're going to, they're raising money and they're going to go to Japan for long term with a group called Mustard Seeds. And in fact, okay. I'm going to try to convince them that they want to be guests on my podcast here in the near future. That would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, and so we're currently as a church raising raising money for them. And uh, so, so yeah, missions are really important because, as the uh, as Paul says, you know how uh, how are they going to believe unless somebody tells them, and how's somebody going to tell them in, unless they're sent? So, absolutely. So it is. It is definitely. It's definitely an important work. And uh, is have you been on a mission before? Uh, yes. So I've been on two two other short term trips. Uh, when when I was in middle school, uh, my parents they took a trip to Central Asia. Um, the business that we were working with at the time that my dad had built um, and kind of inherited from my grandparents was a fiber processing business, which is kind of foreign to some people, but it's, it's processing um, natural fibers, wool and alpaca and, and um, different fibers like that, fleeces and such into um, finished yarns and things like that. And so we're one of the ways that we're able to get into some Central Asian countries, um, Kurdistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, but all ex-USSR, um, is that they have some of the finest cashmere in the world. Um, cashmere grows on goats, on certain goats, cashmere goats there. And so a way to be able to get into that country, um, which are predominantly closed to missionaries and tourists and things like that, is to be able to come in with <laughs> with that business, like I was talking about earlier, that business as mission type of model. And so we got to go over there and visit um, there. And that was my dad's second trip over there. Um, and then he took some of my other siblings when he went again the second time or the third time. Um, rather and then my second trip that I took was in uh, December of 2017 and that was with the Christian camp that I was interning at and we were there interning for the whole year and then in December um, we would go for a um, an internship or not an internship but a, a short-term mission trip I think we were there for two weeks um, at an orphanage in Honduras um, it's called Orphanage Emmanuel and it's a, a retired veteran and his wife um, that lived there in uh, in Honduras, about an hour outside of Tegucigalpa, which is the capital. And they they've got like 500 or 600 um, orphans, all the way from barely walking and eating by themselves to um, people that are in high school and graduating. Um, and so they they bring orphans in from the country there. Um, and they don't focus as much on adoption, uh, but they, they focus more on, on just raising those kids, educating them, 
um, on campus. They have a school um, and then also work for them to do and everything just to get them off the street and to kind of bring them in and show them the love of Christ. We got to go down there and help them out. And that was the last time I had been out of country. Um, but yeah, other than that, international missions, that's, that's it. But I've gone on several, several trips just to um, the city and stuff like that to do some street evangelism with friends and whatnot. And that's been good as well. That's uh well, that's, that sounds like it's a good experience. Um, I was wondering, um, you know, talking about all these places you've been and missions and, and things, I have to wonder, so what would you say is the, I guess, what's the most amazing thing that, you, that you've ever seen or experienced God do, whether it's for you or for somebody else? So numerous stories of, of um, things that I've heard from other people. Um, but of me witnessing in, in, um, in, in my own time, I think I would say, um, just being in, uh, we were in a classroom when we were in Central Asia, um, where there was a, a believing teacher, um, and she, she invited us to come and speak to her class, um, of seventh grade boys and girls, um, and just to tell them a little bit about being American and that kind of thing. Um, and we were able to share um, part of our religion, just part of the culture in the States, share um, Christianity with them and kind of explain different holidays and things like that, that we celebrate. Um, and through that, we were able to explain Easter um, to them, the, the resurrection Sunday in that story. I don't like necessarily to use the word Easter, but resurrection Sunday, we were able to explain that to them and they were asking questions. And she, as a teacher that is not allowed to, um, bring up God or, or her faith or anything with her students. And so that was a real blessing just to be able to share the gospel with them in that way and for them to ask questions and things like that. And I think the most amazing thing about that story um, that time was just for them to to hear that, that Christ rose from the dead. I mean, they were absolutely gobsmacked to hear that Jesus was dead. He had died on the cross, was in the tomb for three days, and then rose from the dead. <laughs> it was like, wait a second. He was he came back to life, and I mean, just to see the um, the adoration and the amazement on their faces um, with such a, um, I guess, accepted, you know, kind of fantasized topic in in the state, even among believers. Like, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that. Um, but for them to just receive that for the first time was really um, just powerful um, in that moment. So most of these kids had never. Uh heard about jesus before or they just kind of heard of him as a fictional character or, or... exactly yeah so growing up uh it's, it's an ex-communist country that we were in and um so they had heard of jesus and they had heard of maybe the eastern orthodox church um there but they always they always view um christians as uh as russians because uh, that was something that they associated with the ussr um so if you were a believer then you were russian because the, the Eastern Orthodox Church was one of the adopted religions of, of Russian people. Um, and so that was about the only the only prejudice or context that they had for Christianity, which is a really distorted and not not true picture of the gospel. Um, a really awesome opportunity just to explain that to them. I'm sure a lot of them, uh, even even then, a lot of them probably didn't really have a clear understanding what even the uh, Russian Orthodox church uh, actually believed exactly. either um you know it's it's amazing with t- 
technology today that there's still people out there that have never heard of Jesus. I mean, I, um, I had actually thought that, you know, I guess I had, for some reason, I had wrongly thought that everybody had heard of Jesus, even if they, even if they uh, didn't believe it. But you know, hearing about a lot of places in the world, like uh, places like uh, China and Japan, and you know, lots of places exactly. in the world where people uh, they've never even they've never even so much as heard about Jesus, and that mm-hmm. kind of is is baffling. Yeah, and it, I think it reminds us just too of. Um, words that Jesus said um, that they are to know that we're Christians by the way that we love one another um, and so even if they can hear if they can get their hands on a Bible themselves um, that'll be powerful and working in their lives but until they have um, a, a believer a Christian that they can talk to and that they can share with and grow in their faith in that way um, I think they can they can just kind of let allow those prejudices to go and there are studies that that propose um, uh, like supposed contradictions in the Bible and other things like that, that they can kind of blow off as, oh, this is just a, a fantastical religion and it's not actually true. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, so many people that just even haven't heard of Christ um, in the Himalayas and other places. David Platt actually wrote a book just recently called Something Needs to Change. Um, and it's a fantastic book. I'd encourage everybody to listen to it um, on Audible or to read it and um it's just fantastic but he talks about um just having that um that understanding that that something needs to change in the way that we address missions as a western church um we can sit in our comfort a lot of times and think even if we do know the need of those without christ um and think well i could never do anything to change that or to bring the gospel to them i would never be able to affect that and so we end up living in comfort in our western lives um, without actually doing anything, you know, I, going to those countries and seeing that need, um, both spiritually and physically, it really changes our hearts. Um, and so, just reminding us that we need to something has to change in the way that we address those underage people groups. I think that's an important uh, thing. It's like a lot of people, uh, a lot of the people, mistakenly think that when we're trying to preach Christianity, that we're trying to preach to them Western culture. And there are some missionaries who actually mistakenly think that uh, Christianity is synonymous with with Western culture. But you know, Christianity isn't an American religion or a European religion. It's a it's a world religion, and it's important to know that we're not you know that God isn't wanting them to change their culture in as except for where their culture is contrary to the gospel. Like when Paul went in Rome, he didn't want him to change everything about them. He just wanted to. He, after they got converted, he's like, well, these things you have to change, you know, like obviously no more orgies and that kind of stuff that they were doing in Rome. Exactly. And speaking of Rome, actually, um, you know, you were mentioning earlier about how there is, uh, how our example can help bring people to Christ. Uh, one of the, I forget his name at the moment, I'll have to look it up, but one of the uh, Roman leaders uh, had mm-hmm. talked about how part of the reason that Christianity was so, uh, was growing so much in Rome was that is that the Christians cared more about the non-Christian Roman citizens than the other than the other Romans did, and yeah. that was part of the reason why so many people wound up joining Christianity. A powerful testimony. A couple other things before we go. What uh, what is your favorite Bible verse, mm-hmm. and why is it your favorite Bible verse? 
So I, I was thinking about this question uh, while I read your email, and there's ton, tons of Bible verses, but I think um, the most influential and important verse that has that I've found in my life um, was when I was studying through the book of Hebrews. Um, when I was interning at that Christian camp that I was telling you about, we, we studied through the book of Hebrews together as a um, as the group there, and one of my favorite parts um, or a set of verses is verses um, one through four of chapter one. Um, and it just says this. I'll, I'll read it if you don't mind. Go ahead. Says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for our sins, he sat down for the, at the right hand of, the, of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as he has inherited as much or is more excellent than theirs. The name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. Um, so just being able to I don't know, wrap my, my mind around that was something because there's so much there that he talked about. But just talking about the way that um, it used to be like this, this moment in history when Christ comes into humanity and he takes on flesh. Uh, it's been prophesied since the beginning of time. I mean, we see in the garden God promising that the son of, of a woman would crush the head of the serpent and that the devil would not stand um, in that last day, but he would be overthrown. Um, and so just thinking about that um, and all that has been really powerful to me. I mean, I think it just sums up so much biblical truth right there. Um, that he, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is all powerful. He upholds um, the universe by the word of his power. And so just being able to rest in that and know that um, Christ has us no matter what. Um, there's nothing that comes that he doesn't, uh, he hasn't seen coming um, for all of eternity. Um, nothing that he's powerless to stop. Um, so no matter what situation we're in, we can trust in him to, to hold us and to, to keep us um, throughout any trial that comes our way. Before as we go, is there anything else, um, anything else that you would like to share with the uh, with the listeners before uh, we end? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would say just if, if you do feel led to um, to donate um, to my mission trip, that would be that would be great. Um, we'll be heading over soon, and and just some of the expenses I have are uh, my immunizations and, and shots that I'll have to be getting. I'm going tomorrow morning for those things. Um, but if you want to donate to that to kind of reimburse some of the money that I'll have to spend there, that would be fantastic. Um, that and then also um, just travel expenses, food while I'm um, in airports and on layout, layovers and things like that. Um, but I know, and I know a lot of people say it, but most importantly, I'll just pray for you guys' uh, prayers and your thoughts while I'm um, gone that you'd be praying for me that the time over there would be encouraging to the missionary team there um, and that I would be able to, to help refresh them and just um, encourage them in the work that they're doing. Pray for the believers there because um, the, the church there is, is being persecuted. Um, there's, there's family members that are coming after them to um, after the new believers there in Chad to persecute them and, and encourage them to come back to Islam. 
um, and if they don't come back, that they'll kill them. Um, honor killings over there, uh, honor killings are what they call them, and they're completely legal. Um, if you're if you don't come back to Islam, and your family has the legal right to to murder you, it's something that's really scary, but also really real at the same time. So just be um, praying for them um, that they would have continued courage um, and just steadfastness, that they would trust in the faithfulness of the Lord. Um, but yeah, uh, it was, it's been a, a great visit. Um, I'm glad I got to, to hang out and talk with you guys, talk with Gene. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on the show, Gene. You're welcome. And I will definitely be, uh, I'll be praying for you and, and I'm sure that a lot of the listeners will be praying for you as well. Uh, thanks again for coming on this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.